Don't be scared by the outline. It's not. We're not going to do all that. <laughs> You've got one. It's um, uh, it's been printed for today. But praise the Lord. All things will be brought under Him. Will they not? And who would you like to be in control? But the Lord. He is righteous, he is just, he is holy, he is perfect. Would you like some politician? Who would you choose of the politicians of today? Mr. Putin. Who would vote? Boris Yeltsin. Stuff me here up and... Who else is there? Scott Morrison. Dan Andrews. <laughs> I see you're all with me. <laughs> you see, we don't trust them, do we? <laughs> because they're just mere humans. And they make mistakes, and sometimes big mistakes. What about all those guys over there, G7, turning to G10, we hear? <laughs> You see, there is no man we can put our trust in because they're mortals, and most of them unsaved mortals. But there is one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Tony has just read there in 1 Corinthians, all things will be brought under him. That's the plan of the ages. (laughs) That's what God has planned all the way along. Didn't the Lord say that way back? Way back in the book of Genesis, what is the reference? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He, his heel would be bitten by the serpent and his heel would stomp on the serpent's head and crush the serpent's head. That's what was prophesied and this in 1 Corinthians is where it's coming to a head and we are privileged to live in the day where it's beginning to happen. And so praise the Lord. <laughs> and don't, don't be dumb to the fact that this is the day in which it's happening. And we've been going through some of the processes in the last book of Revelation. And we're drawing the headings from this portion of scripture that we've read before to introduce the topic and we read it again this morning and it has to do with the resurrections the first resurrection and the process of that was that and we started with Easter with the first resurrection and the first fruits of the first resurrection we started that at Easter and then the main harvest the rapture and the things that follow and this is what we're looking at the things that follow that after the main harvest then this this seven year period when the lord starts bringing these catastrophes in the world <laughs> when man thinks he's in control things start falling apart <clears throat> as one said to me this week we had this then we had covid and we're all locked down and then we had this <laughs> And the storm comes through. Down in Victoria, you're not allowed to run over sword grass. You find thousands of dollars if you run over sword grass. You know what sword grass is? It's, it's sword grass. I just <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a bushy thing about, about that big and it grows out like that. Not like a tussock, a tussock. Even I don't know if you're allowed to run over tussocks anymore either. With a bulldozer, you can just give it a bit of a screw and it's, it's had it. But you're not allowed to. You get fined big time if you run over sawgrass. But if you, if, you, if you go under a tree with a bulldozer, the drip line of a tree, you're in trouble too. But what did the Lord do this week? On Philip Road, he totally destroyed all the trees that have been there for hundreds of years before before what's his name come and come to Australia just crashed them all down 
on Avon Road where I went to Sunday school. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't get through for days. Trees down everywhere. What does it say in Romans chapter 1? They worship the creature more than the creator. And the Lord is trying to say, I am in control. I made these things. Worship me, not them. <clears throat> when, is when are people, when are the nations going to see that God is the one that we should be worshipping? He is the one we should get a, give our allegiance to. And, he's, and in time, as we see these events happening, and we haven't even looked at the ones in Revelation that have to do, we haven't detailed them, where he is taking out things of this creation so that men might turn to him and see that he is in control. He is allowed to do, to do these things to, to this his creation so that men might turn to him and submit themselves and bow the knee that every knee should bow to him. And today is just little foretaste here and there around the world until it gets to this time when it's a worldwide thing, not just little local things happening. Yes, it's a fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 where the serpent's head will be crushed. <clears throat> Particularly the sermon last week about the first beast, the Antichrist, the wicked one, the vile person. He's got heaps of names in the scripture. The son of perdition, the abomination of desolation that he causes in that time. When he comes to being, he will step forward as a peacemaker, but he will be revealed as the worst person that ever is put into control of this world, world governance. And we see that beginning to take shape around our world today. <laughs> Talking to Andrew this week, they had the green card or the green passport over introduced into Israel. They're talking about it here, aren't they? And um, <clears throat> I don't know if they're going to introduce it or not. But then they rescinded it in Israel. They pulled it back that you're allowed to travel without it. Because you see, Israel is way ahead of us in inoculating their population. They're way ahead. They got it early and they did most of the people. But not all of them have been done. They still say it's a free choice. <laughs> you can make your choice. But then if you don't get it, then you're not allowed to travel. <laughs> And is that a free choice or not? <laughs> it's sort of compulsory free choice. <laughs> That's mumbo jumbo. But anyway, this is the way and direction things are heading, isn't it? Wow. And you say, how close are we getting to the things that are spoken of in this book of Revelation? And uh, <clears throat> as someone said, I didn't think we'd see it go so far. Well, we come to the set. Oh, yeah, that's right. Round, round seven. <laughs> We're up to. I still carry that bell around. I haven't put it back in the cupboard yet, because <laughs> we <clears throat> we we closed with the round seven last week. The dreadful demonic beings that come out like locusts. The grievous sores in chapter sixteen in of Revelation, and we're just trying to do a survey quickly over these things that happen. The the seven bowl judgments it's a three lots of seven and there's yeah there's four but they've not spoken about the fourth one the grievous sores upon those who have the mark of the beast we have there in chapter 16 and verse 3 of revelation where all seas become blood all seas become blood the implications of all these things all seas become blood what happens to everything else that's in the sea that all dies all the seas that means all those reefs reefs up the seasides all the resorts that's all gone all the fish in the sea die we've seen things that happen when fish what what happens when a fish dies goes belly up doesn't it and all the seas are full of dead fish and they all wash up on the seaside would you like to go down and visit the beach on a day like that i mean weeks and months of that whales when they beach them this is going to happen folks 
This is God trying to get people to turn to him. How hard-hearted are we as people? What does God have to do to make us turn to him as nations? And still yet, they next week we'll finish this and we'll get on to something more pleasant after that. But what does God have to do? How hard-hearted can we become? All fresh water in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 16, all fresh water becomes blood. Let's, let's turn there to that and see the implications of that. Chapter 16 of Revelation and verses 4 to 7. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water, of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, who art and wast and shalt, shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard, and why does the Lord do this? For the thousands of years that righteous people have been on the earth, these wicked people, these unsafe people, have killed the righteous people. So, for this little time, they're given blood to drink. Sometimes, when digging dams and digging out springs, you, you get way below the, the soil level, the topsoil level, ground level, and you, you're digging out springs. And you go down there and get a drink if you're thirsty. Sometimes it's not very palatable, and so you don't, you don't drink it. Other times it's nice, fresh water. I remember Harry Schmidt... We were digging out at spring, and he, he, out there, a yakandander in the um, granite soil out there, and he he had a cup on a string, and he'd lower it down into some of his springs, and he said, "Oh, it's not flowing today. That means it's not going to rain." And then when it was going to rain, two weeks before it rained, uh, his little spring would fill up. He had a hole dug way down deep, and he'd bring up the water. <laughs> but we'd dig dams on every. I think on Harry Schmidt's place. He said, I've gone damn mad. Because <laughs> he dug, dug a dam on every spring that he had in his place. And he put a different, different sorts of fish in every dam. So if you want to go catfish, I don't know if they're all dead now because he's, he's passed away. And whether uh, Johnny has kept up the fish in the dams. But, Brother Derry, <laughs> I'll show you where Harry Smith's dams were. <laughs> but you better watch out for Johnny. <laughs> <clears throat> but he, he had and drink the water from the springs but one day all those springs are going to turn up blood this is what the Bible says do we believe it? Yes. it's going to be a worldwide event you want to kill you want to shed the blood of the saints I'm going to give you blood to drink it sounds a bit like back in Egypt days doesn't it? <laughs> When the Lord did that to the Egyptians, can the Lord do it? Yes, he can. Why is the Lord doing it? And he's making, a, as we said, his strange work last week is judgment. God does not want to do this, but he's going to do this to turn people, to turn this world to himself, that they might recognize, and many of them will just shake their fist at him still. And the sun's heat is turned up in verses 8 and 9 of 16. And in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 16, the beast's throne is felt darkness. Euphrates is dried up to make the way of the kings of the east to come down on the Middle East. They still are getting their armies together. They still defy God. They still try to fight against him. Then there's the greatest earthquake that is ever seen on this, in this world in verse 17. They're <clears throat> and they're gathered together. And we'll notice that next week. That'll be the concluding event, the greatest earthquake. And the Euphrates is right. The greatest. Every city is fallen flat. Every mountain is leveled and removed. And hail falls of 45 kilogram hail. The Lord knows how to do this week <laughs> what the Lord did. He softened the ground. He sent 100 to 250 mils rain. He didn't bring the wind first. He softened the ground up. And I, I heard someone, who was it, told me that 
someone got on the radio and said the climate change has caused the roots of the trees not to be like they should be. Therefore, all the trees fell over. I oh, know, I've got a headache. I said, no, it rained and the roots couldn't hold in the mud. You know, if you want to push a tree over, wait till it gets wet. And all you have to do is lean on it with a bulldozer and it just falls over. It sees the bulldozer coming and starts moving that way. <laughs> Brother Dunn was telling me yesterday that when a windstorm like that went through up at Colcan, <clears throat> it, was, it blew so hard that it blew, blew those mammoth trees over. It didn't only blow the tree over, it lifted it up out the root ball and everything out of the out of where it blew over because the, the hole that the tree leaves when it takes the root ball is deeper than this, this here building. You can park a bulldozer in the hole and you can't even see the bulldozer. It lifted it up and moved it metres away with the tree and the root ball and everything out. <clears throat> it's because it was all wet and it just it's, it's not because the climate change has changed the root system. <laughs> I think, where are these people coming from? You know, God has to wake these sort of people up that it's God that is doing these things. It's God that is in control. I say, God is going to start speaking loud and clear real soon. Yes, round seven, and we can speak about the earthquake and the, and the things that <clears throat> man has built. Who's in the building trade here? There's a few of you, aren't there? <laughs> Come on, put your hand up, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kitchens everywhere. Two-rack kitchens. Right, yeah, you're here today. <laughs> They're all going to get mangled, brother. In this earthquake, it says, every city. But that doesn't matter. We won't be here, will we? We won't be here. All those skyscrapers, you ever been up in them and... I don't know if it's just me, but you go out when you're up about 19 storeys and you walk out on the thing and you think... I don't know if it's wobbling or it's my stomach or it's just the sensation. You go out in the balcony and you feel... Is it moving? They are. I think they are moving. They're made to move. But when this happens, it does say the cities all fall flat. God is taking out what man has built so that he can build his kingdom to come he can build what he's going to to build in time and we don't know what it's going to be like but it'll be far far better won't it it'll be glorious it'll be grand it'll be godly and there won't be sin cities around anymore will there <laughs> there won't be las vegas's and things of that nature anymore because sin will not be allowed it won't be made to be places to sin in. But the Lord, that great earthquake in verse 17 to 21. I was just going to mention those, but let's get to the next one. So you see, God is speaking on these major things to bring us to look to him. The next one is the world's religious systems. In, in chapter 17 of Revelation. The destruction of the world's religious systems. <clears throat> it's called Babylon, the harlot. And there came one of the seven angels in verse 1 who had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come here and I'll show you unto thee the judgment of the great hall that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth had been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit unto, into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-coloured beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Where did the Babylonish system begin? Go way, way back thousands of years. After the flood, a man called who? Nimrod tried to build a tower that would reach unto heaven. Forget God. No, only about 400 years 
after God decimated the world with a flood, hear this chap who, who tried to get everyone to follow him instead of God, who had just taught the whole world a lesson by destroying everything and every animal and the whole creation, tried to get everyone to follow him and to worship the heavens and the starry hosts and things instead of the creator. Only 400 years after that. How bent is man to sin? And he, he got a following. And God said, oh, well, let's go down. He said, let's go down and see what this city is about. And he came down, and what did God do? He caused such confusion among the languages. He mixed their language. He gave them languages so that they scattered, like he wanted them to do all over the world, and started nations. That's where the nation started. And so <clears throat> they went their ways into the nations of the world, as God had intended. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we didn't have the language barrier? <laughs> and and uh, the problems, even, even in our own church here today, folks that are sitting here today could understand what we're saying. But right now, just right now, they can't. And last week we, we proved that, didn't we? We had a, a Swahili service and we were, we were trying to interpret it from Swahili into English and English into Swahili. <laughs> but God caused that because of the disobedience of mankind. And that Babylonian system started right then and the devil was using it to draw man's hearts away from him. And ever since, the devil has used that and has developed into a system of religion that rebels against God. And this is the culmination of it all here. And it's, he's brought it into the church. And this is, it, it's developed fully by this time and the Lord has to destroy it. You see, as the unsaved world looks on at the church, in quotes, it looks on at Christendom. And it thinks that's the church. And rightly so, the unsaved people think, if that's, the, if that's church, I want nothing to do with it. You talk to unsaved people, and I have had one recently saying, the church, I'm sorry, they say, I'm sorry to say, but the church started all the world wars. The church starts all the wars. Religion, they say, starts all the wars. And you can't argue against them, can you, Adolf? He's not asleep, he's just got his eyes closed. <laughs> he shook his head. <laughs> and they're right, you see. You do, and you just have to agree with them, yeah, that's right. But it's not the true church, it's religion started the wars. The false church, the Babylonian system. And you know what? The last war is going to be started by the church, if you read this here. And the Lord is going to decimate the false church. He hates it as much as even unsaved people do, and as Christians ought to. That's why we, as an independent church, speak against the false church. That's why we're not controlled by our head system. Because it's easy to control. If you have a head system, the church is under the system, in the system, or under it. So we see the system exposed, if you've got your outline there, <clears throat> in verses 1 to 6. The kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have committed, made, been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit, in verse 3, into the, wild Where am I? Yeah, into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-coloured beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman, so the woman is this Christendom, this false church, and arrayed in purple and scarlet-coloured and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. This is God describing this. 
and upon her forehead was the name written mystery babylon the great the mother of harlots the abominations of the earth and i saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints this is this is christendom this is the church being described by god drunk with the blood of the saints and the martyrs of jesus and when i saw her i wondered with great wonder great admiration admiration and the angel said unto me, Why dost thou marvel? So we see the system exposed in verses 1 to 6. This, I think, is a little bit of an expansion on chapter 3 of Revelation and verses 14 to 19, where John ex- exposed the Laodicean church that was neither hot nor cold. I believe explaining the last church before the Lord comes. You're lukewarm. I will spew you out of my mouth, said the Lord, because you say I am rich, just like that church, and increased with goods. I have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel of thee to buy me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. The shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with eyeslaw that thou mayest see and, and as many as I love I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. I believe the system is exposed by the Lord that this system has been developing. <laughs> the devil got in real early, didn't he? <laughs> And then we see it exposed and explained in verses 7 of Revelation down. And I'm not doing an exhaustive study, just an overview of this explained in verses 7 to 15 of Revelation 17. Why did you marvel, John? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the beast that carrieth her, which hath seven heads and ten horns. The beast has seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the book of life. You know, those whose names are written in the book of life, believing people know what's going on. But those who are not Christians or believing people don't know. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is, and here is the mind which hath wisdom. There are seven Heads and seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings, five are fallen and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, he is the eighth, and is of the seventh, and goeth into perdition. So, well, this got my head spinning. <laughs> and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings. So the seven heads and ten kings, this beast is made up of. The beast... Looked at last week, the Antichrist system, this, this political system that the woman's riding, the Christendom is riding, controlling this beast. The beast is the political system. So if you understand that, the political system, some say, is the political system destroyed, described by Daniel back there, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, revived Rome, and then the beast the one of Revelation 17. Some say it's the seven dynasties of Rome. Make your choice, but I believe it's the ones I said, Egypt, Syria, Babylon, Medo-Persian, the main empires of the world that have been and the ones that are yet to come. Revive Rome and the beast that's coming. (coughs) And the one that he will rule over, ten horns, ten kings yet to come maybe form in our lifetime in the future sometime they have one mind and they give their power and strength to the beast these shall make war with the lamb the lord jesus and the lamb shall overcome them praise the lord (laughs) he is the lord of lords and he is the king of kings he's going to crush remember the serpent's head and the beast and verse 15 and he saith unto me the waters which thou sawest where the whore that Christendom 
setteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. It's a religious system that's over the whole world. And the ten horns, the political system which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate. If you're riding a wild horse and the horse doesn't want you on its back, what does it do? I mean, we're not horse riders these days, are we? Bucks you, doesn't it? They're going to get rid of you. And that's almost like this here. This beast, this political system, this ten confederate nations or whoever they are, doesn't want this whore, this evil system, this religious system on its back. And so what it's going to do, it's going to buck it off and get rid of it and utterly destroy it. It's going to be doing God's will in getting rid of it. This religious system has ridden this political system to power, but it's going to get rid of it and it's going to decimate it. It's going to destroy it and doing God's will in so doing it. <clears throat> and so we see the system exposed, the system explained. Now, I've done it as quick as I could to, and made it as brief as I could. One writer put it this way. What could there have been about this woman that astonished John? He had known her before and was shocked that is, he'd known the church before and was shocked by the unbelievable transformation, by the incredible metamorphosis, the change from what the church was when John knew it. He, he, the angel said to me, why didst thou marvel? Because John knew the early church, it was being trampled, it was being <coughs> persecuted, it was being splattered all over the world. He knew persecution when John wrote Revelation. He was being persecuted. He knew the hurt and the harm that the world was doing to the church. He knew the purity of the church. He knew that it had been planted throughout Asia Minor. He knew that it had been planted up in Rome. By the time Revelation was written, 90 AD, that great things had happened in the church. He knew the purity. And so he's marveling what, 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 has, what has happened to this church that had become such an evil thing, abomination of desolation thing, that had gone into political alliance with the world. Beneath the luxurious attire, the priceless jewellery, the heavy cosmetics, the shameless impudent stare, there was a haunting familiarity. It couldn't be possible, thought John. How had Christ's chaste bride become this brazen whore? What diabolical mutation had transformed that small despised flock of humble followers of the Lamb into this notorious prostitute, toasting Satan with the blood of the martyrs in a golden chalice? How could the church, hated and persecuted by the world, as Christ had said she would be, how could she have become this powerful worldwide institute that reigned over the kings of the earth? John was staggered. What he was being shown seemed impossible. He didn't realize it was going to be thousands of years, but he was seeing this, that those who belonged to Christ would find themselves in a false church, a whore. There would be no possible possibility of reforming her from within. The cry would come from the Lord himself in heaven, come out from her in chapter 18, verse 4, ye people, and be not partaker of her sins. And today, folks, this is what's happening. This is what has become of, the, of Christendom. Come out from among her and don't partake of her sins. And the Lord is going to allow the political system to one day destroy the church. We read about the Laodicean church. It's increased with goods. It's got need of nothing. It doesn't even need the Lord. In fact, if we read on in chapter 3 of Revelation, where is the Lord in relation to the church of Laodicea? He's outside the door, and outside the church, and what is he doing? Let me in to my church. 
I stand at the door and knock. We use that as an individual thing, but he's outside the church. His church. They're not letting him in. And I'm afraid that's a picture of today. Ichabod is written. The glory has departed. God is not, the Lord is not allowed into his so-called church. What a terrible thing has happened. The church has become rich. Let's go back a little bit in church history. The church, as we just have read, was pure and clean while it was being persecuted. And how long was it being persecuted? For about 300 years from the, its inception at Pentecost, it was being persecuted, persecuted, hounded and hated. And then about 300 AD, Constantine conquered in the sign of the cross. And then he changed it all, and instead of being persecuted, he put the church leaders into power politically. And then they had political power. That's when the Catholic Church really got started. I say the Catholic Church. And that's when they got into the seat of authority. That's when they started martyring the true believers. If you didn't toe the line, that's when you got killed. If you didn't believe what they believed, that's when you become a martyr. That's when the Dark Ages set in, until the Reformation. And some brave people spoke up and against the, this church system that was established need to know your church history it's coming back again because here it says these these people there will be the guillotine introduced again in the tribulation by this religious system that's riding the political system to power but praise god you know what he's going to deliver us in the nick of time through the rapture we'll be delivered out of it but maybe we'll be thrown in jail before it we don't know how far it's going to go before the Lord delivers us from this system. <clears throat> As one said to me, you better start being, stop preaching what you do and stop putting it over the air because they're going to come after you. <laughs> and there's other preachers doing it around our country and around the world. I like that ex-Romanian fellow in America where the police come into his church and he, he walked down the aisle and he said, you're just like the Gestapo <laughs> in his language. And he was preaching against them. They did this back in my country. And I was listening to a Jewish lady in who, who's not a Christian. And, and talking about, and she was talking to Jewish lawyers. No, not Jewish lawyers, German lawyers. In saying what's happening in the world today. And she said, this, is, this has happened before. I saw it happen in our country. Using the medical system to justify jailing people for not doing what the government said they want to do that they should be doing and she said it's happening again I didn't believe it happened in my lifetime it's two times and they're using the medical system to do that she's in Israel now and she saw it she's, she's old but she's sharp if you want to see it I don't know how to get it off my phone <laughs> onto your phone I'll get someone else to do that it goes for about half an hour be warned it's on the march. Ah, praise the Lord, we've got a great deliverer, haven't we? You see, God's going to crush this system. He's going to use the political system to crush the religious system after we're gone. <laughs> Isn't that a, a bit of a sigh of relief? Ah, but it may, you know, Christians now are suffering more around the world for their faith than what happened in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, than any time they say in church history. But we don't hear about it and we don't like reading about it much. We need to be informed and we need to pray for our suffering brethren who are dying for their faith now in communist countries, in Muslim countries. Let's be praying for them. Because if we don't, it might come to our door too and there'll be no one left to be praying except for us, when it comes to us. <clears throat> and yes, it'll happen. 
And so we see this explained. Now, I want to go to this thought. Where, where in the New Testament epistles does it tell us to build edifices of churches, buildings and so forth? Uh, this, this we talked about when we had a building committee together. That's the first question I asked. Show me a verse. There is none. That's Old Testament, brother. <laughs> That's right. In the Old Testament, there's the building of the sanctuary. There's the building of the tabernacle. That's the principles of building in the Old Testament. And if a preacher has a building program happening in a church, where does he go to preach that we should be building? The Old Testament. He goes to... Haggai, he goes to Ezra, and he goes to Nehemiah. Because there are the principles that they use in the Old Testament. Now, <clears throat> okay, I accept that. But where did the early church... You know, when the early church got started, and they were persecuted in Jerusalem, you know what they did early? In Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2... They were being persecuted, but they sold all that they had and they distributed it and they had to elect deacons because they had a problem. The, 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 the preachers had problem. They didn't have time to distribute it and they weren't doing it right. They messed it up. So they got deacons, to, elected deacons to do it, <clears throat> to distribute it right, equally. But not many years after... What happened to the Christians in Jerusalem? <laughs> they were scattered everywhere and they went everywhere preaching the gospel. So if that hadn't happened, when they went everywhere preaching the gospel, they were chased out of Jerusalem. If they hadn't sold their properties, <laughs> they would have been confiscated, would have been taken over. So God worked his will in that way that they, were, they got the money, they become what liquid, you know, <laughs> They were able to move with their money. They, they, their properties weren't confiscated. God used the money as they went on their way. They were mobile with it. God knew that. But I don't believe in Christian communism or communism, <laughs> where everyone sells all they have and let's all share it. I don't believe in that. That's not right. That's not biblical. Because we are responsible to work to give for, to those under our care, our children and so forth. But we don't just sponge off each other, in other words. But we are to be responsible. As a church, we are to help those who have needs and, and work to do so. <clears throat> but the, the church needs to be careful because I've seen churches and we've seen people that build edifices to their name. But then... After a generation or two, those edifices become places that they worship instead of worship the Lord in the place. That's what's happened to the church over and over again. You know, you talk about the cathedral down the road and you talk about the stained glass windows and you talk about a real tall building and you look, what's all that about? We're there to meet the Lord and to meet the Lord's people, are we not? We're not there to, oh, what a wonderful brick. What a wonderful window. You know? And I remember a preacher 45 years ago in Sydney, and he hit the nail on the head. He said, I see more spirituality in Africans sitting on a log worshipping the Lord than I do with Westerners sitting in stained glass windows on plus pews with carpet floors. More spirituality evidenced by them than the, the Africans on a log. You know, that's the problem. It's the heart of the matter, isn't it? And it's true. Isn't it true? We better be careful that things don't get a heart. And this is the problem. God has to destroy that which has become so rich, so well known for what it has, 
but also so well known by God by what it has not got. Spiritual life and vitality. It hasn't got God in its midst at all. It's dead. Now let's conclude. I was, I was wanting to get another one done, but we won't get the round, whatever, nine done. But let's conclude with looking into Second Chronicles. You see, there was a whole system before the church that come to ruin because of the same thing. Second Chronicles, and I was reading and I thought that just fits right with a conclusion for the sermon today. This is Israel, the ten nations have been, the ten kings, or the ten tribes. The ten tribes have been destroyed about 120 years earlier. Judah and Benjamin should have learned a lesson, but they hadn't. The last king's been turned up, he's only eight years old. Who would want to follow him? Eight years old, verse 9 of Second Chronicles 36. He began to reign, and he reigned three months. Great king. <laughs> three months. Would you, would you follow a king of eight years old? I mean, who's eight? They're all over there. <laughs> Great wise man. <laughs> he did that was evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, I imagine a kid would be a kid, wouldn't he? <laughs> and if his dad was bad, he's probably going to be bad. He had no good example. And we read what verses have I chosen to look at here. Um, verse 14. Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much. So he, he didn't have anyone around him that were good, was a good example. After all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. This is the spiritual center of Israel. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes or early, and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. And they mocked the messengers of God and despised the words of, and misused his prophets. This is what the people did to those that were... Ridgy, dig, fair, dig, and good, godly men. Until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was, till there was what? No remedy. There's no way to solve this problem. And this is where we are. Revelation 17. God said there's no way to solve this problem. The whole world, the whole religious system, Christendom, is sunk. It's had it. Therefore he brought... And, and folk, haven't you noticed in the last 60, 100 years, the religious system, Christendom, has just gone down, 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 down. It's not standing for anything. It'll fall for anything. It is falling for everything. It is passing things within the systems. Even the Catholic system is, is passing anything now goes. It almost is anything. I thought they would, stay, they would stay, hold the stuff, but they're not even. Till there was no remedy... Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of the sanctuary and had no compassion upon young men or maiden, old men or him who stooped for age. He gave all into his hand and all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his princes and all those these he brought to Babylon. And they burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its goodly vessels. And those who had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon where they were servants to him, his sons, until the reign of the king, kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord upon the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths for as long as she lay desolate, she kept her Sabbaths to fulfill threescore and ten years. God said it back then, and what happened? It happened. God said it in the book of Revelation. Has it happened yet? What's going to happen? It'll happen. And it is about to happen. You know, round, what was it? Eight or nine is going to happen. Ring the bell. And God is going to destroy the rich, Babylonish, wicked, evil 
adulterous whore of a church. He's sick of it. It's come to an end. There is no remedy. There's no turning the church around. You're not going to reform it from within. It's had it. You have to come out. You have to be separate and take a stand. And it's going to cost you family. It's going to cost you friends. It's going to cause problems. But you've got to take a stand and be faithful to God. And he will say to you what? Well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Wouldn't you rather hear that from the Lord than to compromise? You know, after 44 years or 50, whatever it's getting to now, it's cost, it's cost. But it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. And as I say, each one of these messages, hang in, hang in there. Don't give up. Just keep on until the Lord comes or he takes you. And as I said to Brother Larry, you're probably listening in this morning. I feel like that little man, that little young fella in the, in the, in the, you know, his son to the widow. My head, my head. <laughs> and then he died. But I don't think the Lord's going to do that to me yet. So let's pray. Lord, <coughs> we thank you for your wonderful word. What comfort it gives us in troublesome times. We see your hand at work in nations. We see your hand at work in the world. We know, Lord, you've made these promises that you'll keep your people. And, Lord, your word guides us all the way and you'll fulfill it. I pray, Lord, as we see things getting worse within the religious system, we see the world on a trajectory that's not good. We see politicians making decisions that are shocking, that have been, as it were, even directed by the hand of the evil one. I pray that we would keep faith and, Lord, speak out for the truth and warn those that are close to us and those that we speak to to flee from the wrath to come. Lord, I know that there are those who are our friends and family don't believe what we're speaking about. Uh, Lord, may they just read the word, interpret it literally, and say, Lord, help them to understand it and believe it. And Lord, encourage them to follow by faith the written word. Bless us as we part now and as we finish this short series next week. Lord willing, should you tarry and be with each one as we have opportunity to share our faith, as even the world, unsaved people, are wondering what's going on and that they might ask us a reason. Bless us now as we part in Jesus' name.